Welcome to the Adamantium Podcast, episode number 58. Welcome back, Adamantomaniacs. I am your host, Adam R. Harrison. Thank you for tuning in today. First and foremost, shout out to the Toronto Raptors 2019 NBA champions. The city has absolutely been on fire since Thursday night. Uh, I remember for the last episode, it was right before Game 5, and I was super nervous. And that game was really close, and we got it done in Game 6 Thursday night. And yeah, like I said, this city, the vibes around this city have been unreal. Even Saturday night, I was at the Alexis on Fire uh, reunion show, the first of two nights, and just even there, there was tons of Let's Go Raptors chants. They actually, the Toronto Raptor made an appearance uh, before Alexis on Fire started and just got everyone so hyped, and just everyone's in such a good mood uh, right now. The parade is today. I'm actually planning on going down myself to join in in the festivities after I finish recording this. Although I've heard there's like a bajillion people down there already, so I don't even know if I'll be able to find any of my friends. I'll just have to probably tuck into some crevice of space that I can find. But yeah, what a wonderful time to be a Torontonian. Congratulations to the Toronto Raptors, to everyone from Toronto, from Canada. This is like a a Canadian victory. Just proving that basketball means so much to us up here in the north. So today's an awesome episode because not only do we get to talk about the Toronto Raptors right now, but uh, also we've got one of my favorite bands of the last five years uh, on the show today. I was so excited when I was able to get some time with Jean-Philippe Grobler, who is the frontman, singer, and guitarist uh, for the band St. Lucia. And if you haven't heard St. Lucia, like maybe pause right now and go check them out because they are so much fun, incredible band. They're kind of like an 80s throwback, uh, but their music is so fun, so lighthearted, so danceable. Their concerts are unbelievable. You probably will not dance more at another concert than you will at a St. Lucia show. Their first album, When the Night, was my absolute favorite album of 2013. And now their third album, entitled Hyperion, came out last year in 2018. And most recently, they just released an acoustic album, which is really interesting, especially for the type of music they make. It was It's really kind of cool to hear it stripped back, which we talk about in the interview. So they're currently touring for that. So I met with Jean at the Mod Club here in Toronto, uh, and I was really excited to get to meet him, and we had such a good chat. But before we get into the interview, we're going to do the Adamantium Recommend section which is really hard for me because I love all their music. Like I said, the first album, it's like a stellar from beginning to end, but we're going to try our best here to pick five, I guess, greatest hits. And like I said, I could name five songs just from that first album, but I'm going to pick two. The first one is called Elevate, and the second one is called The Way You Remember Me. And then from the second album, which is called Matter, I'm going to recommend the songs Dancing on Glass and The Winds of Change. And then from the most recent album, Hyperion, I'm going to recommend the song Walking Away. So there is a very uh, small dose of of St. Lucia that you should check out. But seriously, just listen to all the albums. They're amazing. 
And if you're listening to the Adamantium podcast today on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, please do hit that subscribe button. If you do us a favor, please also leave us a rating and a review. That really helps us in growing our listenership and getting more interviews. You can also listen to us on Spotify uh, and Google Play Music, uh, Stitcher, basically anywhere that you get your podcasts. You can also follow the Adamantium on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. The handles are all different, but you can find us just by searching the Adamantium. So let's not waste any more time and introduce you to Jean-Philippe of St. Lucia. Enjoy the parade today, everybody. Enjoy the good vibes around the city. Go Raptors. Uh, Be safe, have fun, and have a fantastic week ahead. John from St. Lucia, thank yeah. you very much. So I was bugging Ali about this one because I'm personally a really big fan. Oh, I appreciate so, that. Yeah, yeah, this is my... Thanks, Ali. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen you guys, I think, four or five times now. So, and Awesome. Yeah, I don't dance as much as I do at a St. Lucia concert, <laughs> which Ali can attest to. Ali can attest to. Oh, that's awesome. The one was that the Danforth? Danforth. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. great. Well, this, this show's going to be like... Totally different. Totally like, different, completely, yeah. Completely, completely, completely Which I different. definitely have a lot of questions about. Yeah. But yeah, the first time, so, so the first time I, I heard you guys, you were doing a support set. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I won't say who because, like, you guys blew, I didn't even know any of your music, but it blew me away so much that I was, like, almost a little disappointed by the headliner afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. um, we heard that a fair amount in the early days. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, we were very fortunate to support a lot of great artists. Like we supported Ellie Golding, we supported Tudor Cinema Club, mm-hmm. um, Foster the People. Um, yeah, there are a lot of great, great bands that were very fortunate to be taken on the road by. Yeah, interesting tidbit that Tudor Cinema Club are from the same small town that my mom is from. Oh, no in, way. in Northern Ireland, yeah. Uh, yeah it's like, we love those. Those guys are such, such lovely guys. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I met them once as well. They are really nice. But, I mean, Irish people in general are pretty, yeah. pretty nice. It's funny, I, I worked, um, the guy that I produced Hyperion with is also yes. from Ireland, and he's uh, he produced both, um, yeah. both Hosier records. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, he's also lovely guy yeah, too. Irish, yeah. Really lovely guy. Excellent. So, I'm going to talk about Hyperion first before we get into the acoustic tour. Sure. Um, I was actually reading uh, the little description on your website mm-hmm. and there was kind of a lot of interesting bits about kind of how you had a, almost like an interior conflict with yourself when writing and when, when making Hyperion. And so I was curious now that it's out and it's been out for almost a year, mm-hmm. I'd say two thirds of a year, mm-hmm. um, do you find that you found resolution uh, or did it answer, did it ask more questions after it came out? Uh, what exact interior conflict were you talking about? Like just how the direction that you were going to go with the album. I think there was even a, a line in there that said you weren't sure if it was going to be St. Lucia's last offering. Or... Yeah, I mean, I just, you know, it, obviously it's been a while now since like I've made the record, you know, yeah. you make it and then there's the whole lead up to it. And then now we've been like touring it for like mm-hmm. a while. Um, so I just have to put myself back into that mindset, you know, but like I, it, it's interesting because every album that I've been involved in making or, you know, that's like a personal piece of art or work that, I, that I'm making that's meant to reflect myself. It's always like a just inner struggle, you know? And I think yeah. like anything, anything of value, I think inherently on some level has to come from some kind of struggle and some kind of like internal 
like figuring out who you are and who you are in this moment and what do you you know because we're all like we all are, are like people that have hopes and dreams and like we're all idealistic on some level but we all have to like compromise we just the inherent nature of living in the universe we just have to compromise because yeah. if you just like only lived by your like ideas you die you know right. like you'd be so disappointed so it's part of that it's part of like figuring out who you are in relation to the current moment and the current like just the way the world is the way people are and stuff like that and I think the biggest thing for me was like you know we came from this we came up in this like synth pop scene you right. know, in, yes, in yeah. New York and sort of the early 2010s and um, that it sort of really felt like when, as I was starting to make this record that that scene was really kind of like in its death throes in a way okay. you know like a, a lot of the bands that sort of split up like weren't doing as well anymore there was just like a feeling about it and I also started feeling in myself like that I wanted to just step away from using so many synthesizers and being so like precise and exact and such a perfectionist in, okay. in the studio with like making everything perfect and um, so it was just it was just this whole thing of like moving more towards like who I am now like having things feel a bit more open and loose and kind of like um, a little bit more like the records that I loved growing up you know where you know th- there is this looseness there is this embracing mm-hmm. of the imperfect in it in a sense you right. know? and I think in a sense this tour is taking that even to the next logical extreme which is like we've just broken it all down to like the absolute most essential things that yeah. you need to make the song work and it was just an experiment to see is it still engaging at that level and so far it seems like people have been loving it like we've mm-hmm. heard people saying like this is their favorite St. Lucia show ever like it's just yeah I mean we can talk about the tour in a second of course. but um absolutely yeah it's just I don't know there's just I, I think it's important to grow as an artist not for the sake of it but to try and grow in a direction that you as like a human being are growing and not in the direction that's going to like make you more popular. You right. Know? I think okay. that that creates something that has more staying power and mm-hmm. seems more like, um, necessary you know and especially like like becoming a dad and having like less time and thinking like i have a son like i have to support the son why am i still choosing to do music you know it's like such a risky thing and so to me it's like if i'm going to be doing it Mm -hmm. i have it has to be done with such an intention and such a like surety that like i'm setting some kind of a future example for him with what i'm doing and it's necessary in some way yeah and i think it, it gets harder almost harder and harder in today's society where anyone can basically make a comment or whatever on trying to keep it what is individually rather than what someone else wants or what someone else wants to hear. Yeah, and I mean, it's just, I feel like we're living in such a time of like the collective and the sort of modern mentality and everything. um, You know, I feel like a a lot of the music scene now, you know, I don't think it's bad necessarily, but a lot of it is based around like people just a bunch of people collaborating in a room together and like you know making a song and people like chipping in and um, I've always been an admirer more of like the artists that sort of just sort of followed there where it's like a set group of collaborators and they collaborate and they have something special or it's like one person following their kind of individual vision and to me that way you end up with something a bit more unique and like something with a few more idiosyncrasies something you're more attached to too yeah and it's I I don't know you know it's um <laughs> well, you mentioned you mentioned earlier too that you ro- worked with Rob Kerwin. Yeah. 
uh, on the album. And the one thing, the first thing that jumped out when I looked up him was that he's worked with U2. Yeah. Which U2 is my all-time favorite band. So yeah, whenever I, like I can squeeze, well. whenever I can squeeze a U2 question, it comes. Yeah. In. But I was sure. just, I was just wondering how. Um, you know, did he, it was working with him? Did it help shape how Hyperion ended up and sounding in the end? Absolutely. I mean, we started working together at a point where um, I almost always get to the same point with every record, like mm-hmm. where I just have like so many ideas and so many potential like directions that it could go in, and I'm just like. I just don't know, you know, because like I definitely don't have enough time to finish all of these things. Right. Um, what do I do? Which is the most promising? And it's almost like I feel like a bit lost in the, like I'm just like in the middle of the ocean blobbing on just like ideas, you know? And so he came in, we just chatted and connected very organically over like some mutual bands and artists that we love, like um, Talk Talk, like Prefab Sprout, like right. um, some of those like bands that, you know, sort of from the early 80s in, in England that um, I, there's, there's this term that people used to describe that scene. It's like um, something like avant pop or something okay, like that. Yeah, it's yeah. like, you know, Kate Bush is part of it too. It's like right. pop music, but like very like high minded, like, yeah. you know, with, with just high concept sort of pop music. Right. And um, so we connected over that and then he came in and, you know, just from what we talked about, he listened to everything that I had and was like, you know, I feel like these things from just from his experience fit together. These things maybe we don't need right now. He felt like these specific songs could right. make a great album, you know, okay. a few more than what we needed. Uh, and then we just started working together and he just really helped pull things together and make them a little m- bit more concise. And mm-hmm. he suggested that we go back into the studio and like retrack all the sort of live band parts okay. because we'd already done that for all the songs, but like I was like acting as producer and engineer. So just like the quality right. wasn't that great. And so we went back in the studio and redid that. And um, yeah, I mean, he just has so much wisdom and experience and he's so like not in any way sort of swayed by the whole like LA US music scene that's going on right now and um, he's just just cuts through the bullshit which I very very much appreciate it it. and when I looked too it was like he worked on uh, Zuropa which I was like well that kind of that's like the U2 album that's almost the most St. Lucia (laughs) yeah in a way I mean dude he has so many amazing stories like you know he came up um, do you know who Flood is? I don't know. So Flood so. was also obviously involved in like, he was part of the making of all okay. those two records um, from, I think, the Joshua Tree. And then he went on and produced like the first like three or four uh, Smashing Pumpkins records. Okay. Like amazing, amazing, amazing producer. And like Rob was like his right hand man. Like, okay. During that, through that whole time. So he just had so many incredible so many stories from that time. I bet. Um, one quote that, that I pulled that I really, really liked, and you kind of touched on it already a little bit. Um, was um, uh, you had said you can make a reactionary music that is negative and aggressive, but I gravitate towards the things that feel that have more inspiration. Um, social change has often come from a positive force, not an anarchistic one. Yeah, and I really kind of like that vibe, and I I kind of was listening to Hyperion again with that. And it really made sense for songs like Gun and mm-hmm. stuff like that, that you're kind of coming at it from a more positive approach rather than being like a Rage Against the Machine or something, you know what I mean? Yeah, and that's... Not I mean, that there's anything wrong with yeah, that no, kind no, of music no, either, dude, I but... Yeah, no, no, I mean, like, different, different strokes, you know? Yeah, of course. Whatever, and, like, I understand, you know, I haven't been through that much, like... I'm, like, a white guy, you know? Like, <laughs> I haven't been through that, that much, like, upheaval and turmoil in my life, so, like, I 
inherent you sort of maybe don't have that like very strong reaction you know mm-hmm. like anger in my life but um, and it's also it's not really like a conscious thing like I'm not like consciously like trying to make positive music it's like I make a lot of different stuff but right. it just it seems like the stuff that has a little bit more like to me it's almost like what St. Lucia represents is like everything even though it appears positive it has like a dark side to it mm-hmm. in a way like there's a mixture of like the melancholy and the positive and the happy yeah and I think to me that that's more real than like just a positive song or just a sad song because that's right. what life is it's a mixture of happy moments sad moments and um I don't know I think if I think if yeah I mean mo- just most of my favorite music has that sort of quality to it where it's almost like it just there's like a balance within the piece of music yeah absolutely um so let's let's talk about the current tour um which I, as soon as I heard you guys are doing an acoustic tour, I thought it was really interesting because St. Lucia is such an electronic and kind of dancey, if that's it's not really a real word, but yeah. dancey type of music. Um, what made you guys decide at this time to kind of pull the layers back and do something acoustically? So, I mean, kind of like what we were saying earlier, like it just, it sort of felt like the logical progression of just where we've kind of been heading a little bit, you know? And um, I don't know, I've just, you know, I know that we came up in this, like, synth scene and whatever, but it's just, like, I never wanted one, like, sound or instrument to be, like, our god, you know? Okay. I, I, wanted, I wanted it to almost be, like, where we, we have the license to pull from any instrument or, you know, we, 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 we're able to put ourselves in the position where we can almost make... I mean, if you, like, think of Beck, for example. Right. Like, Beck can make a, a really acoustic album, like... Um, what was the first acoustic one that he made? Um, paper. T- it wasn't Paper Tiger. It was. It had Paper Tiger on it, and then he made Modern, uh, modern Guilt. Well, not Modern. That wasn't Modern Guilt. It was. Um, <laughs> I'm totally me- mixing up all his album names now. But he just like runs the gamut of like so many different things, right. you know? Yeah. And I really want would like us to be able to do that as well because to me that's like that's just what's exciting, mm-hmm. you know? And so we decided to do this just. Just because, like, you know, our, our, our own live show, our normal live show has become such a monster, you know, and mm-hmm. there's so many moving parts, there's so many instruments on stage, and while we've, we really enjoy it, you know, it's made it really hard for us to tour to places where we're not as big as we are in the States, because it's just so expensive to travel with that stuff. Right. And, like, there's also an element of, over time... I've just become more and more aware that we're a little bit disconnected from each other on stage because we're wearing in-ears, we're thinking about like all the stuff that we have right. to do. Um, when you have in-ears on, it's difficult to hear the audience, like you can't sort of, you know, and um, and we started just doing some, some more acoustic things just for, you know, private events or whatever, and we just noticed that we were having more fun by the nature okay. that, that we weren't having to deal with so many things. And um, and then we were trying to figure out a way of how can we tour again behind Hyperion because Hyperion wasn't like a massively successful record. We didn't really have like a radio single that did very well. So we couldn't really go out and do another massive St. Lucia tour. And we were just trying to figure out a way like how can we make it smaller and this just seemed to make sense. Okay. And so far it's been really, really just refreshing and awesome. Like we go we go into the show every now, we have no set list. We just decide like oh, really? we're gonna play it on the spot. We just okay. have like a list of every song that we have like in alphabetical order and we're just like, what should we play now? And we just choose that. Amazing. It's kind of like a like a reliefness almost like a weight off your shoulder kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, it is like and I, yeah, it's like I don't know man. I the, Does someone just be like, I'm feeling this one now? Can yeah. You play it? Yeah. <laughs> exactly how we do it, yeah. Yeah. 
And uh, so what's the process on kind of stripping back those so when you were designing the tour? Yeah. What's kind of the process of takes because songs like China Shop or like Dancing on Glass have so many uh, electronic elements to it. What's the process of kind of pulling those back and Well what we did was we just we were just like okay each person's playing one instrument. Like and that's right. it. And you you're playing that instrument. Like Ross is playing bass, Dustin's playing drums, Nikki's playing mm-hmm. like a kind of Wurlitzer sound on his Nord or a piano sound depending on the song. And I'm playing acoustic guitar and Patty's just doing like percussion and backing vocals okay. and vocals on some songs. And we were just like, you know, just intuitively let's play these songs and just like just just you know p- pick up the slack you know right. and just we just know that like and you just you can't be overly precious you can't be like well that one like glockenspiel part is like missing you just have to be like how like how does this how can the song work without all the bells and whistles it's almost you know? like more in the moment yeah and then just like the more we did it the more songs we did the more it kind of was like it just sort of in- intuitively just sort of came together, yeah. you know? And it, now it's sort of really easy for us to just uh, to just pull together, like, any any of our songs, you know? And, and, and you mentioned work. before about not being able to hear the audience and stuff. Now you can get that. Do you find that the audience is reacting more? They can connect more, maybe on an emotional level? I think so, it? yeah. And it's, like, also the first tour where every band member's had a mic. So we just have okay. a lot of, like, in-band banter and just say <laughs> stupid things. Right. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's fun. It almost feels like we're on vacation. Like, it's just so easy and chilled. It's and refreshing. It's very refreshing. Um, the song Bigger was one of my favorite on Hyperion. Thanks, man. Um, and I think it's probably my favorite on the acoustic album. Oh, great. Yeah, and I think they're almost like the same song but they're they all sound like completely different versions yeah. to me um, and when I first heard Bigger um, I felt like it was reaching you wrote it reaching out to someone and I later read that it was written for your son who yeah. hadn't been born yet Yeah. so now that you are a parent um, how do you how do you look at that song or how do you approach that song um, well I mean just my, you know Whenever I write a song, it's never like it never starts out like now I'm gonna write a song. I mean, sometimes I'll do that exercise, you know, and sometimes it becomes a song, but the vast majority of the time it's just like I'm playing around or something pops into my head and there's just like words there, and it's more like after the fact when I analyze it that it's like, oh, like that's what this is about, okay? Yeah, the message of that song is like I, I can't, I can't remember who said this, but there's some quote where it was something about like that the world is forever going to be at war between people who like understand metaphor and understand okay. like like intuition and people that are very like need things to be like very kind of like set like set out and you know like for like for example I mean not to get too deep into it but like you know a lot of people there's a lot of people talk shit about like the bible these days of I'm course. not a christian um but you, you know, I grew up going to Christian schools and like, I personally feel like there's a lot of value to the metaphor, to the Bible, if you look mm-hmm. at it metaphorically. And I think like a lot of ancient texts are metaphorical. And so kind of what bigger is about is like that if you follow your heart, you know, you're not, it's not going to be easy. Like that's what the group, like, oh, your heart is bigger than they say, oh, your heart will never entertain their minds. It's like, if you follow your heart, you know, that might be the right way to live your life. Okay. That might be the best advice I can give you, but it's not going to be easy. Okay. You know, because you're going to have people coming at you and being like, well, actually the data shows you that this is how you should do it. This, this is, right. this, but it's like, 
I, I, to me, it's just like the, 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 the obvious way for me that you should live your life is following your intuition, and that's how I've always done it, and that's how it's worked for me. But like, we're really living in a world where like, there's so much data pointing at other things, and mm. it's like, it's kind of like saying that to my son, you know, yeah. like, here's the best lesson I can give you from what I've learned, but it's not going to be easy following that path, you know? So, yeah, I like it. Great, thank you for thank you for that that uh, that uh, inside look. Um, I also saw we, you mentioned it when we were coming uh, coming into the that you were just traveling in Taiwan, and I did see. Yeah. I was looking through the Instagram before before I put this together, um, and I was definitely getting the travel travel itch. Yeah, um, which can I'm going to Ireland next week, so I'm I'm good. To oh, that's that. awesome. Yeah, have you been uh, before? I, my my parents are Irish. Yeah. So I'm actually going for a wedding. Oh, cool. Yeah, but but yeah. You've, you've been to Ireland before? Yeah, yeah, several times. It's oh, actually cool. like it was when I was younger. It was one thing I took for granted because we used to go every couple of years. And oh, now, wow. as an adult, I don't get to go as much. So yeah. when I do go, I, and now I really appreciate it. Oh, now, dude, like, so I'm cool. going to see the things that when I was younger, I saw and didn't care about. And now, yeah. these, this is incredible. Um, so, yeah. That was one of the funniest things to me about Rob. Uh, Rob Curran, the, the Irish producer guy. Yeah. Um, he was like, oh, the best tacos you ever had were in Dublin. Really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I like, Dude, I didn't, like, that's a, that's a bit of a weird thing to say. But yeah. yeah. Maybe Dublin, Dublin has excellent tacos. They do have, they, they have good food in Dublin. Oh, I'm sure they so, do. It's yeah. like a, one of those cities that is pretty multicultural, yeah. for, even though it's Ireland. Uh, yeah. I just <laughs> never, I've never had place. a good taco outside of the US. Like, really? Or Canada. I was going to say here, we definitely have. Oh, here, uh, yeah. yeah, here you guys are. Not, not in Mexico? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm <laughs> North Mexico America. Obvious. North yeah. America. Right? North America, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, and so do you find, because I always get really inspired when I travel. Um, and I know certain people feel a different way about travel, but so I was wondering if that is something that inspires you when, um, yeah. when you're getting to see the world. In. Oh, man, absolutely. I mean... You know, I think the, the 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 best the best inspiration you can get is to somehow be removed from like the mundanity of your like yes. everyday life. You know, and, and to experience cultures outside of yeah, and just just like it's almost like an intangible thing. And it's funny because like you know, I I hadn't spent that much time in Asia before going now okay. to to Taiwan, and mm-hmm. now after being there for three weeks, like I. I like miss something just there's something about it that I miss like the feeling of being there because we're very fortunate to go and like Patty's mom is from Taiwan oh okay okay and so like we spent a lot of time with her mom's family and they took us around and showed us all these things it's a better experience then yeah we just had this like amazing sort of inside experience and you know, it's I don't know. There's there's something of a feeling that I that I take away from it, but it always takes a while for like that stuff to kind of like filter through me. You know, yeah, it's always like in the moment I'm like, oh yeah, like this is really interesting. I should write a song about this thing that I just observed. Yeah. But whenever it's a conscious thing, like I almost well, never so ends up traveling. Like, you're going so quickly from place to place that it almost doesn't always have take. You know, you don't have all the time to fully take it in. Yeah, and it just I, I just think that like it takes a while for it to like filter through like whatever is in your brain yeah. and sort of be spat out as like as like a, whatever the data yeah. is that you process but also you know? I think also maybe where from your back I don't know when you left South Africa but yeah um, there's so much culture there that I'm sure it has an influence on yeah, the way I, you look at the world even and, oh totally you know yeah. I mean um, you know even the US is like an exotic place well it's true you know? of course it yeah. is 
and one forgets because like so much of it looks like Europe, you know, right. like it's yeah. sort of like, especially the, the, the Northeast, like kind of the, the trees and the plants and everything look very much like, like Europe and mm -hmm. England and stuff like that. So you forget that you're in this like extremely exotic yeah. place, you know? And um, it's so funny to me sometimes how there are so many Americans that like are so, they just feel like, oh, they're just from this like boring place and they're yeah, so yeah. apologetic and like, but you're like, you're living in like a place that, you know, a couple few hundred years ago was just like the wilderness. Yeah. <laughs> it was just totally wild and like, yeah. Uh, um, do you find that having, cause I think everyone, everyone in your band has a kind of a different background. Do you find that cultures plays an effect into the, the music? Yeah. The, I, the musicality more. I mean like the sound of the music. And, yeah, totally. I mean, you know, um, up to this point, like I've been the person that's been mostly like involved in the in the that's like mainly in the studios doing most of the stuff. But like the guys come in and play, and like they're they're um, they come from like a very different musical background to what I come from. Like right. they, they went to jazz school. They grew up in America, you know, so they were just like surrounded by American music. Mm -hmm. um, and they're a lot more not knowledgeable in certain ways than I am. You know, like in many ways, like like theoretically and just their facility on the instruments they they're they're way more like actively knowledgeable about that stuff whereas like i went to music school but there came this point where i almost like chose to like like just just push all that like theoretical information to the side and just yeah. try and like trust my intuition in some way and sometimes there's like a bit of clash in terms of that but it's but it's it's sometimes a really good thing because like I don't have to necessarily think about those things and they can come in and be like well maybe this chord would be better here than that chord and then we try it and sometimes it's good sometimes it's not and um, I don't know it's just like, like I feel like there's I feel like there's a good rub within like the band and I yeah. think especially tonight you'll, you'll see that excellent this is like kind of designed to showcase those two sides in excellent very cool um I also I saw also on, again on your Instagram that you are a fan of uh, Hayao Miyazaki films. Oh yeah, yeah. So Huge and fan. I know I know you have a song called Tokyo, so I assume you've been. Have you been to the Ghibli Museum? I haven't. You haven't had a chance. I haven't had a chance. Oh, no. But I'm, I'm like, like I've watched all these movies like multiple yeah. times. Actually, in uh, Totoro was was in like was gonna be in the lyrics for, for really Tokyo. yeah but it just didn't make it it just didn't yeah in a way it just started feeling a bit like i don't know just like just didn't didn't work quite like that well um yeah you gotta get there i, I only i got into the films actually just in the last couple of years oh really so i've seen all the main ones i haven't seen all of them but i've seen all the main ones right what and, so which ones have you seen oh well, like i've seen most it's like i think it's like the ones like grave of fireflies and stuff that i haven't seen uh, like the small the, oh, like I've seen the all the main ones, ones. The yeah yeah i've ones. seen all the miyazaki the main ones which is your favorite again similar to what you had written in that post it's like almost impossible for me to pick up i have like eight favorites yeah it's almost like an element of each movie i like best in certain ones like yeah. i have a favorite protagonist from one and a favorite yeah yeah um i just love how he i mean maybe in a couple of them there are like in um in Laputa, there's like kind of an easy villain who's just like a villain, like right. a bad guy. But like yeah. in mo almost all of his movies, there's no just like bad guy. Right. You know, yeah. it's like everyone has fully understandable. But even in, oh yeah, there is the one guy in Laputa. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. he's like the sniveling bad guy. Yes. Like, yeah. You know, but um, and it doesn't go much into his backstory. Yeah. You know? But normally in the movies, it's like, it's like even in um, personal growth and like and yeah, that's yeah, it's almost it's like the attention to detail. Um, 
is what I find amazing. Yeah. And like, well, uh, Kiki's delivery service is one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, great. Secret Life of Arietti. Yeah. Is another one of my favorites. Uh, um, but there's so I mean, I think my my of course, favorite. Spirited Away. Like. Yes, yeah, I mean Spirited Away. But like for some reason, like I really really love. Um, Poco Rosso. Yes. Okay. I, I, because it's just so like, it's so romantic and it's so you know and goofy at the same time. It's like the yeah, guy with the pig face. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like where does that you know? But it's yeah. But that's what I just love about Miyazaki is he just he has this like strange. But there's an emotional humor. connection always yeah. that that like you can't even get in human like like in person movies. Yeah. You know? I mean this is this is actually why I love animation so much and like there's so many people in my life who just don't get it. We're just like of course, why are we yeah, watching yeah. this kids movie? You know? Mm-hmm. And I'm just like but what's so beautiful about animation is like you you immediately by the fact you're watching animation you're suspending certain disbelief yeah, and course. opening yourself up in a certain way reality that you wouldn't yeah. be if you're watching like Goodfellas mm-hmm. you know or whatever right. you just yeah I don't know there's, there's something beautiful you would it. definitely love the, the museum then a lot of people are underwhelmed by the museum because mm-hmm. it, it is small yeah um, but there's like I my first love was I learned how to draw when I was like Four or not oh, learned, really? but I just it was something I, I could do. Really good at drawing as well, yeah, and it's something as an adult, like a lot, a lot, a lot of people, I just don't have the time for anymore. Yeah. Um, but as a kid, it was like the first thing I ever loved doing, mm. and so like there's like four rooms that literally just takes you through the process of, and everything's like hand drawn, wow. and it's yeah, it's so next time you're in Tokyo, you have ah, to check it out. I love that. Um, last two real quick questions. The first one was um, on the acoustic album. There's a cover of 1975's mm-hmm. Two Time, Two Time, Two Time. So, out of all songs, what made you guys choose to include this cover? Um, I mean, there wasn't a ton of thought that went into it. It was more just like you know, we we wanted to make this acoustic EP, and we were like, maybe it'd be cool to just have a cover because we've never actually released a cover before. Mm-hmm. We've always like just struggled with doing covers. Like for some reason, we've just it's always just been. I, don't, I, don't, I can't even explain why but it's like you know like the guys want to cover something I think that's like corny and then I want to cover something and they just think it's boring or like it just is never like works you have to agree on one song yeah and it was like with that one it was just like you know I just I like the song and it's so synthetic and then I could just hear in the context of what we were doing that we could just make it way more organic and just different you know that you take and do something so we just we just decided to do it and I think it's a good song excellent I really like the new album and then last question um, at the moment because you said you all have what's your favorite song to play on the tour at the moment or a couple of them Ooh, um, man that's a tough one we're really really having fun with like everything right now but um, we just sort of added China Shop to the acoustic okay th- uh, thing a couple nights ago and that that's feeling really really good um what is the... We're also doing... Uh, we're doing a cover of You Can Call Me Al. Oh, okay. Awesome, um, yeah. We mash it up with uh, Wait for Love at the end. And it's okay. just like... It's like really fun. That's really cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I can't wait to see it. Awesome. So, thank you very much for taking the time. My pleasure, man. Very much appreciate it. Yeah. Thank Thanks you. for coming. Yeah. Adamantium.